Thank you for joining us today. Love those songs. Just so uh, meaningful and powerful. And I don't know if it's like this, but I, I just envision like all of the saints in heaven, like joining in a song like that with us about holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Praise God for that. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we've found ourselves in a um, in two chapters that talk a lot about generosity and about giving. And as we mentioned last week, sometimes like it can just seem like a um, it may be awkward thing within within church when when we talk about those types of things because of maybe some of the experiences people had really just odd and goofy and high pressure things of the church just trying to like get get as much as they can out of people to give and just some really extreme extreme things that people have gone to do uh, to do that and so sometimes people envision like the church only wants my money because of an experience that they've had uh, but yet what we're going to see what we saw last week what we're going to kind of continue as we look in chapter 9 that we're going to see that when it comes to being generous and giving, it's the exact opposite of how a lot of people view the church trying to get people to give. Like they think it's guilt and pressure and, and they're just, it's, it's really like awkward. But yet what we see is like, that's not what the scripture teaches about money, about giving. That giving should be out of free will, it should be out of joy, it should be something that we want to do, not something we feel coerced or pressured into giving. So last week we talked about nine principles of generosity. Uh, we had nine points to the sermon. This week we have three. So you're welcome. It's, it's not as long as last week. But just um, in review, we'll list these. We talked about the principles of generosity. Generosity is a result of God's grace in our life. That that giving flows out of God has been gracious to us. God has been generous to us. And God has done a work in our heart to want to be generous with not just what we give, but it's more of how we live. It's a lifestyle. Uh, generosity is not about equal giving with someone else. It's not about comparing with someone else, but it's about sacrificing in our own life. Generosity starts when we have little because Paul gives an example to this church in Corinth, he uses an example to them about a group of churches in the Macedonia region. And he said, they gave out of their deep poverty. In other words, like we probably wouldn't be that impressed if we saw what their, their dollar amount was. Because it was probably insignificant. But, but what was impressive is they gave, even though they didn't have much, they did what they could. They did what they could. Uh, so we see it's not, it, it starts even when you have little. Generosity produces joy. We're going to see today, God loves a cheerful giver. It should be out of wanting to. Generosity is in proportion to what God has given to you. Generosity, or God takes our generosity and it goes way beyond what we are capable of doing. Uh, generosity, again, is something you should want to do. It's not, it shouldn't be forced or coerced. Generosity can demonstrate um, our love for someone, and then generosity can help overcome selfishness in our life. So now we're in chapter 9, and we're going to see Paul's continuing the same thought. He says, for as touching the ministering to the saints, 
it is superfluous for me to write to you. So that word superfluous is kind of a big fancy word we don't use. He's just saying, look, it's not even necessary for me to write this. And it almost seems like it's, it's a little bit of like a sarcasm that he's using, almost like how we would sometimes, you know, to someone, we might say, hey, it's not, I don't even need to tell you this, but then we proceed to tell them. Well, it seems like that's what he's doing. He's like, look, it's not even necessary for me to write because he's like, I know you want to give towards this need. He says, it's concerning the ministering to the saints. And so last week we talked about what was happening was Paul was raising up funds to help a church in Jerusalem. They had tremendous needs because of a famine, because of perhaps some persecution. That church, mostly Jewish, they needed, uh, they needed, they had some needs. And so now Paul is trying to unite the more heavily Gentile Christians to help the church in Jerusalem with a need. And he's saying, so um, con he's reminding them, giving towards the ministering of the saints. He says, I, verse two, I know the forwardness or the, the, the bold desire of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. The Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeals provoked many. So remember last week, Paul was pointing out to the church in, in, um, in Corinth saying, look, you know, the, these churches in, in Macedonia, places like Berea and Philippi, Thessalonica, he said, Look, they didn't have much, but they were still willing to give. And he was using that as a motivation, not as manipulation, not as pressure, but just as like, hey, this is a, th these churches are giving. And he's like, I'm thankful you're willing to give as well to this need. But now he's saying, look, your zeal, your desire to give towards this need, that zeal is, is, is contagious, and so again, not in a pressure or manipulation or even a comparison game, but it's just like how sometimes maybe we need a little nudge, a positive nudge. We see someone's passion for something and it just like, it helps us get excited about the same thing. And he's saying, look, your passion, this passion is contagious. This passion is going to affect many. He says, and I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in, in vain in this behalf. He says, lest happily, if they have Macedonia, they, if they were to come with me, he says, and you're not prepared. He's like, then all this boasting would, would be, uh, it would be of, um, a he said, we, we'd be ashamed of this confident boasting. So in other words, saying, look, if I had somebody from Macedonia who I've been, who I've been bragging about of you too, then if they came with me and you're not prepared, it'd be like, it'd be kind of all in vain that I'm talking you guys up so much. So again, it seems like he's, trying to excite them of he knows God has done a work in their heart to want to be generous and to want to give. And so he's saying, look, follow through with that. Follow through with that. Verse five, he says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your, your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that that same might be ready as a matter of bounty and out of covetousness. So again, it seems like what he's doing is he's encouraging them to follow through with what God had done in their heart. They had, they, they had wanted to give. Paul's using great examples to encourage them to give. And now he's saying, look, follow through with this. So we see, first of all, that when we are generous, that it is a blessing to others. 
Now that might seem just like overly obvious, right? But what he's pointing out is your generosity, church, is going to help those who have a need. It's going to bless others. Now again, he wants them to do it with joy. He wants them to do it out of, not out of guilt, but out of because they, they want to. But here's what we see, that when we are generous and when we give, it blesses others. That we need to view our life as we are a conduit, not a reservoir. That the things that we have, our time, our resources, it's not just about how can I hoard? How can I take for me and save for me only? It's how can I then bless others as God allows me to, as God blesses me, how can I then use that to bless others? And that's how, as believers, we should live. How can we bless others? Now, this isn't saying that we shouldn't be wise with saving and investing, um, because the Bible gives us principles about that. And I had, I had mentioned in the, the first service, it was kind of ironic. John Witter preached a message, um, I think it was back in, in May, from our Proverbs series about um, saving money, investing money, and giving. And he kind of joked how that, like, yeah, the pastor asked me to preach the money sermon, right? And not only that, like, I skipped town. I wasn't even here for it. But when I listened to it, I uh, did a great job on that. Look, we're not saying that, oh, you can't be wise. In fact, we should be. And maybe you're here, and honestly, that's something you kind of struggle with. Like, you're just not, um, that's just not in your wheelhouse of having a lot of wisdom and knowledge with saving and investing. And, and I'll say this, like, we as a church, sometime this year, I don't know the exact date when we'll do it, we're going to actually offer some classes to help with that, to where it's not going to cost you anything. We'll We'll cover all the cost on it, but to help, maybe if you struggle with, with just principles of saving and investing and, and just maybe being, um, you know, getting out of debt or staying out of debt, things like that, we want to be able to offer that um, because we think that the Bible actually does talk about that and it gives us some wisdom. So we're not saying don't save and don't be wise and don't invest. We're not saying you can't enjoy things that God blesses you with. I hope that you can and don't feel guilty or bad about enjoying those things. However, we need to look at our resources, not as that reservoir, but as a conduit. How can, as God blesses me, how can I use that for the kingdom of God? How can I use that to help those in need? We're going to have an, an opportunity today uh, that uh, Dave Panjwani is going to tell us about to help some believers that have, have uh, fled out of Ukraine. And there's a way that we as a church, we found out um, some specific needs. So we know it's going to go directly to those in need. Because uh, that's also a principle. Paul wants them to know exactly where their money's going to. It's not some obscure, you know, you don't know what's gonna, where it's actually going to go. But we're going to have an opportunity. And so I say this. If God has blessed and enabled you in a way to be able to help, then do it. And if not, don't feel guilty that, oh, I, because maybe you're in a point in life, you wish you could do more. You wish you could be more generous, but maybe that's not where you're at right now. Well, Paul says in chapter eight that our giving and generosity is according to what we have, not what we don't have. So don't stress if you're not in a position where you can be generous as far as like this big dollar amount. But again, we, we need to do what we can. The point is this though. 
Paul's saying when we live generously and when we give generously, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to others. And it says we should do it out of a heart of joy. So he says, um, verse number, sorry, I'm kind of skipping down, but verse uh, number seven, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That we're cheerful. The Greek word is hilarious, where it, it literally, the root word is how we use the word hilarious. He's saying, and again, we kind of use it in a little bit different way, but the point is when we give, it should be joyful. It should be cheerful. And honestly, that is, if we're not, if we're not looking at, at our resources, um, as a conduit of, of God using it to bless others, well, then we're probably going to give grudgingly or of necessity. But when you truly desire and want to give, it changes your attitude on it. See, when we spend money on things we enjoy doing, we don't really think much, we don't really think much of it. Maybe a certain hobby. Or, I remember a couple years ago, I was talking to uh, my cousin, who's an avid gun collector. I mean, he's got, I don't know how many guns. He showed me his arsenal uh, about a little over a year ago. I was like, whoa, he's got so many, so many guns. I was talking to him about a certain firearm and how that I wanted to, to purchase a, a, a firearm. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of looking for just like one gun, you know, that is just kind of like, you know, can be if, you know, when I, at the, the time it was working on getting a concealed carry and, um, and, uh, and, and just kind of having that also for like, you know, God forbid I would ever need it for like home defense. And I remember he was just like extremely baffled, like one, like, no, there's different guns for all of those things. Like, what, what do you mean? One, like one one gun? Like, are you crazy? You know, this is again, somebody that's got like a whole arsenal of like 40 plus guns. And it, but when it comes to spending money on things we enjoy, it's like, you know, we don't really think that much of it. I'm sure his spouse might think differently on that. But when it comes to something we enjoy, maybe a hobby, maybe it, you know, maybe it's not a gun. Maybe you're not, that's not your thing, but but maybe it's a motorcycle or maybe um, you know, whatever it is, it's like, well, your passion or things like for your kid's sports team or for their music or whatever their, their pa whatever your family's pa racing. We got, you know, our, our racing fans right here, right? Whatever it is that the hobby, we think, well, yeah, of course it's going to cost. Of course it's going to cost. Well, what our desire should be that God does such a work in our heart. That when we're giving maybe to those in need, when we're giving to the kingdom of God, it should be, of course, it's going to feel like a sacrifice, right? But it should feel like, no, I, I want to do this. I'm enjoying this, a cheerful, a cheerful giver. And so no doubt Paul, who had a Jewish background, had this picture in mind. So in the, the, the Jewish temple, they would have two different like chests. And one would be people would give like what was just kind of expected, like their tithes, where they would give towards that. And then they would have another chest that would be what was called a free will offering. And Paul was like, I want you to look at all of your giving and when you're being generous as you're doing it free will out of a heart that wants to. It's not grudgingly. It's not of a necessity. In other words, you don't feel like, oh, I have to give this. It's no, you get to do this. So when we give, when we're generous with our time, with our money, with our abilities, when we're generous with that, you know what it does? It blesses those in need. 
But not only that, secondly, when we're generous, it actually is a blessing to ourselves as well. Now again, like Jake was saying at the beginning, we're not giving in like with this like motivation of, oh, I'm going to, you know, get something back. Sometimes people have a, uh, maybe a, um, a misunderstanding, right? Like, oh, well, I'm going to give almost like this investment. If I give a hundred dollars to this missionary or this charity, then that means that God's going to give me, a, you know, I'm going to win a new car or God's going to give me a raise at work this week, or God's going to give me a thousand dollars unexpected this week. Now, sometimes those things happen, but not all the time. And so there's, and you've heard us many times refute something called the prosperity gospel, right? That teaches that that basically God wants every person to be wealthy and God wants every person, you know, to, to, to live a really healthy and prosperous life, materially speaking. But the thing about that is this. We see in the scripture, we see in church history, we see it today that there's people who have sacrificed all for the kingdom of God. And honestly, they're not in good health. And, and by the world standard, they don't have anything. There's Christians, even today, that because of their faith in Christ, it actually, they actually lose their life. And so I think the prosperity gospel can be very one-sided where it only emphasizes the material possessions that we have. And yet fails to understand that, you know what, there's actually things far greater than just the material blessings. But what we do see, though, is this biblical principle, when we're generous, God's going to bless us spiritually, but also materially. Why? Because we're, this reser or we're not this reservoir of hoarding. We're a conduit that channels to those in need. And so God's going to bless us. So then we can funnel those resources to the kingdom of God. We can funnel those things to those that are in need. And Paul's going to give an example of how like a farmer would plant seeds. Verse number six, he says, I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. He's like, look, if you're planting a seed or planting seeds in the ground and you're kind of just doing it sparingly and you're, 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 you're not being, uh, you're not throwing a lot of, well, it's like, well, you can expect your return is probably going to be like that. But when you sow bountifully, when you sow a lot, when you're generous, God's going to give you a great harvest. He's going to reap bountifully. And that's a, a principle that we need to see with our giving, with our generosity. That when we give, when we're generous, not only does it bless those that we're giving to, but we actually are blessed ourselves. And sometimes it's not in that material way. Sometimes it is. Right? Sometimes it is. Like, I know of, of so many instances and stories of, of people, and even in my own life, where, you know, maybe stepped out and sacrificially, you know, was gen generous in an area, and just to see, whoa, it's amazing how God has far repaid that, how God has, has blessed way beyond what I could give. And I think. The, you know, just like the pendulum can swing way over here with the prosperity gospel of almost like, you know, hey, if you give, God's going to make you wealthy. Uh, that's not true. But the pendulum can almost swing too far on the other side where we try to over-spiritualize everything. 
And when the only blessings we think are just spiritual blessings, well, no, all of the good things in life, all of the material things, they're a gift from God. So be thankful for it. Don't hoard it. Be a conduit to bless others as God has blessed you. So Paul's saying, look, you're going to be blessed. Not only are you blessing this church who's in need right now, but you yourself are going to be blessed. In fact, there's a verse we love to quote, and I love this verse. It's one of those like picture frame worthy verses. In Philippians, it says that my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ, by Christ Jesus. And many times we'll quote that verse, but here's, here's, here's the background of that verse. The church in Philippi is part of that church of the Macedonia region, and they're giving to another church in need. They're giving to help meet Paul's needs so he can then do what he's doing in ministering the gospel to so many people. And what Paul's saying is, look, yeah, you're giving and yeah, you're sacrificing, but don't, don't stress. Don't stress about your needs. You're giving. God's going to supply those needs. You're giving to the work of God, the kingdom of God. You're giving to those in need. Don't worry. God's going to supply your needs. God's going to take care of you. When you're generous with your possessions, when you're generous with your time. But that being said, it's not only about the material blessings that are blessings. We, when we're generous, it goes far beyond just that God's going to give us more materially. That God's going to, in fact, Jesus uses these words in the gospels. He says, don't lay up treasure on this earth. Because you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. But he said, rather lay up treasure in heaven. Lay up treasure in heaven. And, and we, as believers, with our resources, with our possessions, we can live in a certain way where we're making an impact, not just here in this life, but that there will be eternal implications. Not saying that we're going to that not, not by saying that we're earning our salvation or that we're earning a place in heaven. But what Jesus is saying is that how we live can have an impact for eternal things, I think is what that teaching is. That when we give to God's work, when we're generous to those in need, that God will use that and can use it in a way where there is eternal things, uh, things that actually matter. And you know, so often, you know what we live for? We live for just, just right now. What are the best decisions that I can make right now? What, are the, how, what decisions can I make the first 60 years of my life financially? So that way, the last 20, I can live like no one else and enjoy all of these things. And here's the thing, though. What if you don't make it to 60? Right? Or what if you do? Yeah, you enjoy it till you're 80? And then what? All our material things will be lost. So are we saying don't save? Absolutely not. Are we saying don't invest? No, absolutely not. In fact, the more that we can save and invest and be wise with our money and our possessions now, I think the more generous we can be later. The decisions that you make now with money, it, it can really affect some things down the road. But the point is this. If we're only investing and saving and thinking about now, right here, it's going to be lost. 
In fact, Jesus uses this parable, and he talks about there's this rich man who, remember the, the rich man, he had this barn and his harvest was so great, he tore it down and built bigger ones to be able to store all of this harvest. And Jesus said, this man was a fool. He said, because tonight his soul will be required of him. And he says, then whose will all of these things be? So the foolishness is the fact that he didn't have any, he wasn't looking, had no vision and no, and, and, and was not looking further down the road of, well, what's really going to matter? So Randy Alcorn is a great Christian author that God has used to bless a lot of believers here in these last 20, 30 years. And here's how he describes it. I want to just read this because I think it's really a really impacting example. He said this, imagine you're alive at the end of the Civil War. You're living in the South, but, you, but you're a Northerner. You plan to move home as soon as the war is over. While in the South, you've accumulated lots of Confederate currency. Now suppose you know for a fact that the North is going to win the war and the end is imminent. What are you going to do with your Confederate money? Well, if you're smart, there's only one answer. You should immediately cash in your Confederate currency for U.S. currency. The only money that's going to have value once the war is over. Keep only enough Confederate currency to meet your short-term needs. As a Christian... You have inside knowledge of an eventual worldwide upheaval caused by Christ's return. This is the ultimate insider trading tip. The earth's currency will become worthless when Christ returns or when you die, whichever comes first. And either could happen at any moment. So what's the point? Look, understand that, yes, we do have needs and we have to have money and possessions for the basic needs that we have here on this earth, things like food and clothing and a place to live, right? So nothing wrong with having those things, but don't hoard. Don't just stockpile. Yeah, be wise with saving and investing, but understand that we are a, a reservoir or that we're, sorry, we're not a reservoir. We're a conduit that those things should flow through us to be able to help those in need, to be able to impact the kingdom of God. Uh, Randy Alcorn also uses this illustration in contrasting about treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. And he gives the example of a missionary, young missionary by the name of William Borden. And perhaps you've heard that name. I know that I've re referred to him in the past in different sermons. What's so significant about William Borden was that he was an heir to great, great wealth. And yet he felt God leading him and calling him to not live just a life of comfort and ease and enjoy all the wealth. He felt that God was leading him to go and to give the gospel to Muslims in Egypt. And so William Borden, and there was a lot of opposition, people telling him, you're crazy, man. You've got, you've got it made. You are all set. And yet God called William Borden to take the gospel to Muslims. And William Borden went to Cairo, Egypt and, and, and preached the gospel there. But yet William Borden at age 25 contracted spiral meningitis and he actually passed away 
William Borden, here's a picture of his burial site in Cairo, Egypt. There's a, actually a, 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 a group of American um, missionaries. They went on a missions trip and they found this, this tomb. I think we have a picture uh, of that. And they, they were there at, um, maybe not, but they were there at the, at the tomb of, of William Borden. And it was kind of an obscure, obscure burial site. And they said it was just kind of off the beaten path. And that was where William Borden was buried. He was buried just in a kind of an unknown place with other American missionaries. Well, in comparison, there, not far from there, at a museum in Cairo, Egypt, was another burial site. And it had all of the boy King Tut's possessions. Because King Tut was buried and he was buried with solid gold chariots and thousands of golden artifacts. In fact, his coffin was found within gold tombs, within gold tombs, within gold tombs. His burial site was filled. And so they have in a museum all of those golden artifacts. See, the Egyptians believed in an afterlife, one where they could take their eternal treasures or they could take their earthly treasures with them. But all of these treasures that were intended, for, were intended for King Tut's enjoyment stayed right where they were. They stayed right where they were. That is until 1922 when, uh, when Howard Carter discovered this burial chamber. They hadn't been touched for thousands and thousands of years. And what's so amazing about this is the contrast between the two graves. William Borden's grave was obscure, dusty, hidden off the, the back alley of a street littered with garbage. King Tut's tomb glittered with unimaginable wealth. Yet, where are these two young men now? One lived in opulence, called himself a king, and he's now in the misery of a Christless eternity. The other Borden, who lived a modest life on earth in service of the one true king, is enjoying his everlasting reward in the presence of the Lord. Tut's life was tragic because of an awful truth that he discovered too late. He couldn't take his treasure with him. William Borden's life was triumph, was triumphant. Why? Because instead of leaving his, his treasures behind, he sent them on ahead. In fact, William Borden on his tombstone, it says this, apart from faith in Christ, there's no explanation for such a life. Why? Why would he leave all? Well, because he saw that there was something much greater in life, that there was a greater purpose, and that all of those possessions that he could have enjoyed it would have just been for a short time, but yet he used his life to impact those that he ministered to for all of eternity. Those who came to know the Lord, those who, because of his sacrifice, heard the glorious news of Christ. One lived for now and one lived for eternity. And I ask us this question, how do we view those possessions how do we view the things that we have? How do we, is it, is it all about what can I enjoy now? Again, nothing wrong with enjoying some of those things. 
In fact, you know, if uh, we're not even saying like, hey, you need to sell everything and go move to, to Egypt. You know, in fact, if God's not calling you to do that, please don't. It'd be a really big mistake. But God is calling all of us to live a life of generosity and to live a life where we're not just hoarding and accumulating things for ourselves, but that we actually have a bigger picture. Do we have a bigger picture that our life actually counts for something more than just the things here in this life? So what we see is this. First of all, our possessions can, or our generosity rather, can bless others. But our generosity also blesses us. Why? Because God's going to bless us as we use those things for him. As we live generously, God's going to bless. And sometimes it's materially speaking. Sometimes the, the more that we give, the more God blesses and gives to us in a material way. And sometimes it's not those, those material things, those, those material blessings here. Now, sometimes it's things far greater that God blesses us with. And Paul's saying, look, you, you sow you sow sparingly, well, that's how you're going to reap. But if you sow bountifully, if you live generously, man, God's going to bless you with that. You're going to reap accordingly. But then lastly, in closing, we see this, that generosity, our generosity brings glory to God. That's what Paul's going to tell them. Look at verse uh, number 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after, after you for exceeding grace of God in you. So Paul say, here's what's going to happen when you're generous. Those that you're being generous to, they're going to give God thanks. God's going to be glorified. In fact, they then will think to pray for you because of your generosity. So we see just this beautiful picture that when we live generously, yes, it blesses others. Yes, it's a way God will even bless us. But ultimately, God's going to be glorified through it. He's like the people that you're being generous to, what are they going to do? They're going to thank God. They're going to glorify God. When we as believers live generously, you know what? It's a way that God can be glorified. The people that we can be a blessing to are going to give God thanks and give God glory. And that's what's so wonderful about living generously. Paul's saying, look, when, when you give, and this is how we have to view things like giving and generosity. Not as, oh, the church only wants my money. And the church is, you know, what's their next goofy, you know, thing they're going to do to try to manipulate people to give? No, it's let's get, we have a heart that wants to give, a heart of joy. We see a need. We want to be a blessing to those in need. And as we are that conduit that blesses others, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to bless others. We're going to, it's, God's going to bless us for it. But then ultimately, God's going to receive glory. God's going to receive thanksgiving. And then he closes out 
two chapters talking about generosity and giving by saying this, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That God's gift of generosity to us is just unspeakable. In other words, it's just indescribable how great of a gift that it is. How generous that it is. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that he preached like eight sermons like on this one verse. Like just amazing. God's indescribable, his unspeakable gift. You want to look at generosity? Look at God's generosity to us. That we who were sinners, yet God what? Romans says he commended or he demonstrated his love for us. How? Well, he came and he died for us. He lived the righteous, holy life we couldn't. He died for our sins. And he didn't have to. He was obligated in no way, but gracious in every way. And he died for us. Why should we as believers be generous? Why should we be giving? Well, because we have been very graciously given to. God has blessed us with all of our possessions, but far beyond that. We who are rebels and sinners against a holy and a righteous God can come and gather today and we can know and have confidence and assurance in our salvation. We can have confidence that we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because God was loving and giving that he gave his son, that Jesus Christ who was the son of God, the second member of the Trinity, came into this world and graciously, generously lived for us a righteous life, died for our sins so that we can experience that salvation in him. So if you're here today, you don't know the Lord. You've never experienced that gift of eternal life. And, and maybe for you, it's just a confusion of like not realizing it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can never earn it. You can never achieve it. It's the gift of God. And maybe you've never truly accepted that gift by believing and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I have good news. That gift is extended to you. God's love for you is so great that he wants you to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. So trust him today. Turn to him by faith today. And for those that are here that know the Lord, that we've been saved, we've been redeemed, may we recognize, wow, we, God, has been so gracious and generous to us. May that generosity and giving now flow through us to others. May we share that good news of the gospel. May we look at God has given us so that we can be a blessing to those in need. And I know that this church, we do that. And let's keep doing that. Let's keep viewing our life and our possessions, our time, our resources, not to hoard, not to be that reservoir we just take in where we're only takers, but may we be givers. And again, according to what we have, you know, may, may, honestly, maybe you're here today and you said, man, I wish I could be more generous and more giving. Well, keep in mind, it's according to what you have, not what you don't have. Are there areas you can be generous in? Because so many times we think of like, oh, it's got to be this huge amount of money that I give and I wish I could. Well, no, but has God blessed you with some, are, are, are we being faithful in, in being generous with what God's given to us? Because it starts 
As we said last week, it starts not when we have a lot, but when we have little. Let's live generously. Let's live in a way that's giving, that God's blessings are flowing through us to bless those in need. Let's pray. God.